Hi, everybody. Welcome to another amazing episode of Brown Eyed Unicorn. I'm your host, Hannah Brown. And today, you guys, I just want to set the scene for you. A little mise-en-scene, as I like to say. I am sitting in my sister's dining room. I'm looking out the window at a beautiful autumnal tree. The leaves are changing. I am in Chicago for the week for my friend Joanna's wedding. Joanna and Benny, shout out to you guys. Um, And since I'm stuck in L.A. for the holidays, I'm also seeing family, so I'm staying here for a full week. And I feel so cleansed and so happy to be out of L.A. for a little bit. So I am in a very relaxed headspace. And I'm going to talk about the first episode of Jersey, which is going to take me right out of that relaxed headspace. But before I get into it, I want to say my travels to Chicago were harrowing, to say the least. So I flew out of LAX at 5.40 in the morning. Like My flight was at 5.40 in the morning. So to make it in a reasonable amount of time, I had to leave my place by like 4. I got up at 3.30. Jake drove me because he's a very nice man. And um, I got there, and I usually get really bad anxiety at airports, but I've been working on my anxiety um, in therapy. So I was, you know, feeling calm, feeling good, feeling excited. I get to the gate. I'm reading Jenna Fisher's book right now, and it is so fun to read. I'm loving it. So I'm like chilling out. I also tried not to spend any money in the airport, which was really rough because I travel so little because I'm poor. Um, And when I'm in the airport, like all I want to do is buy like snacks and alcohol and fancy coffee drinks and like a million magazines. But I was like, no, Hannah, save your money for the destination. So all I bought was a bottle of water. I brought my own snacks from Trader Joe's. I was like killing it. Okay. And I flew Southwest and I was so on top of wanting to be in like um, boarding group A that I set an alarm for 540 the day before I checked in right when it turned 540 and I was a 55 for boarding. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get a good seat. This is going to be great. I get on the plane and I like to be in like the first few rows of the plane because I like to get off the plane first. And I know that doesn't mean I'm going to get my bags any faster, but like, I just don't like being behind like a horde of people. You know what I mean? So I noticed this aisle seat and then this middle seat available. And then this woman's taking a window seat in like the third row of the plane. And I was like, oh, is anyone sitting there? Cause her handbag was on the middle seat. And she goes, yeah, I'm saving this for someone. And looking back, I'm like, why the fuck, after I went to the trouble to be in boarding group A, was I going to settle for a middle seat? Like, fuck no. So I was like, great. I tried to do the right thing. She wouldn't even let me sit in the middle seat. I'll take the aisle. Well, people are walking by, and this woman's on this mysterious phone call with someone being like, looking out the window, being like, are you close to the plane? Are you going to make it to the plane? Are you getting on the plane? Talking to someone. And people keep walking by being like, excuse me, is that seat open? And she ignores them. She's just frantically on this phone call. So I have to do her dirty work to be like, um, she says someone's sitting here. Interesting that she's holding a seat when it's a full flight. Like I was sort of passive aggressively trolling her because I fucking hate when like, they're like, it's going to be a full flight. Like give people the seats, the audacity to like put your fucking scarf in your handbag on a chair and be like, I'm saving this for someone. Like whoever the fuck you're saving it for should have been in boarding group A too. They should have set their alarm for 540 and gotten on the plane first. So I don't feel bad for your imaginary friend who is supposedly on the way to the plane. So I keep, I have to tell like five different people, like, I'm so sorry. She claims she's saving it for someone. I don't know. She's ignoring everyone. And eventually the flight attendant, this woman like frantically comes running on the plane. She's like, I have nowhere to sit. I have nowhere to sit. And the flight attendant's like, ma'am, you can take that seat right between these two lovely ladies between me and this woman at the window who's on the phone. 
And so she gets off the phone and the flight attendant sort of leads this frantic woman into the middle seat in our row. And the woman like slowly picks up the window woman, slowly picks up her handbag and lets her sit down. Well, this mysterious person she was on the phone with never comes. I truly think, and I shit you not, that this woman was on a fake phone call with a non-existent person in the hopes that she could keep the seat next to her empty. I truly think that's what was happening. And then she had the audacity to make me do the dirty work of telling people that they couldn't sit there. It was so fucking annoying. So this hot mess of a woman sits next to me in the middle seat and they're like bonding and vibing and whatever. And I'm able to fall asleep. And I have this gift. I think I've mentioned this before where I can fall asleep anywhere. And this flight was so fucking early. I was like, I'm going to knock out. I'm going to sleep for four hours, wake up and be in Chicago. It'll be great. I wake up 20 minutes later to like tapping on my shoulder and I'm like what and I have like my neck pillow I'm like huh and she's like I need to go to the bathroom and I was like okay so I get up and then the spazzy woman next to me gets up and then the the window seat woman who we'll refer to as the liar because she didn't have a friend coming to the plane the liar gets up and goes to the bathroom so I'm standing waiting for her to come back so that the middle seat woman can sit down and I can sit down and this woman the liar gets back from the bathroom and then the woman in the middle seat the frantic woman so we'll call them the liar and the frantic woman the frantic woman's like I gotta go to the bathroom too so she goes to the bathroom so I'm just standing waiting for them to come back while frantic woman is in the bathroom the flight attendant passes by with snacks and you know I take my little bag of Lorna Dunes and the liar is like I want more and takes like fucking three bags of Lorna Dunes and like a bag of Fritos and I'm like you are a selfish selfish woman you want to hoard seats and snacks all to your goddamn self and it is horrible manners and I was just like you're a hideous person were you raised in a sock anyways the frantic woman gets back from the bathroom and she yells after the flight attendant she's like Excuse me, can I get some snacks? And I need a ginger ale too with ice. My stomach's not feeling so good. Theatrically, like, complaining about her stomach. I was like, God, you're annoying. So the flight attendant, this graceful young queen of a woman, comes back and politely gives her her fucking Lorna Dunes and her ginger ale and her glass of ice. And, you know, I eat my snacks and I'm able to fall asleep again. And I wake up again. I'm awakened a second time. By frantic woman spilling her entire cup of ice all over my leg. Like, at this point, it's been melted. So it's like ginger ale and ice all over me. And she's like, oh, no, my coat. Only word that she spilled on her own fucking coat. And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I get you? And I'm like, yep, it's all over me. But it's fine. And at this point, I've been making eye contact with this girl across the aisle from me who's observing this happen. And we're, like, laughing at, like, how terrible these women are and how difficult they are. And... So I'm covered in this ginger ale ice combination, but luckily I wore these like leather joggers. So it just beaded right off. It was fine. It was like wearing an anorak on my legs. I've used, I've used the word anorak so many times on my podcast this week and I'm fully here for it. I think about being in French class where it's like, je voudrais un anorak. Anyway, um, so it's all over my leg, but it beads off. So it's fine. And this woman's like, the frantic woman is like, excuse me, miss, can I get some paper towels? And I was like, I will not have you yelling after her. I will go get you paper towels. Because, you know, game recognized game. Being a flight attendant is essentially being a server just in the sky, which is way harder, way more annoying because people get so fucking lit when they travel. So I go up to her at the front of the plane and I'm like, I am so sorry. High maintenance number one and high maintenance number two. That's not a joke. That's what I called them. High maintenance number one and high maintenance number two um, spilled. 
So could I get some paper towels, please? I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, my friend Brandon, Patreon member Brandon, um, it flies for United. And I was like, so I hear the most annoying stories and I'm just so sorry that you have to deal with all this bullshit. And in the two rows that I was in on the plane, the two rows alone, three different people spilled their water at different points. I was just like, I fucking can't. I just can't with you people. Like I never even travel because I'm too poor to travel as previously mentioned. But this flight was like fucking amateur hour. It was like nobody had ever even like seen the sky before. It was like a bunch of, I don't know, aliens from another planet who didn't know how to behave on a plane um so she's like it's okay this is what happens when you're in the front of the plane thank you so much for your help so I go and I clean up the water and I get rid of the trash and I get up again and put it in the trash and at this point I cannot fall asleep and the women are just the frantic woman and the liar are getting along great and I'm just like stab me and kill me and beat me I need to be done with this flight and then it all came full circle because the flight attendant, this gorgeous gem of a woman comes up to me and she goes, are you flying this back? And I was like, yes, I am. And she goes, take these. And she gifted me with two Southwest Airlines drink tickets, which just shows that karma is important. And if you'll just be nice to someone who has a difficult job, you can get all of the drink tickets that you could ever want. So... In conclusion, that was how I got here. And I've been here for like a day now and I got dinner with my dad and I met up with some friends and got some like burrata and wine before that. And I've just been eating and drinking my dick off and I've just been having the best time. Also, I want to say I'm staying with my sister and her husband and their apartment is stunning. They have like cool ass art and they're the best hosts ever. But I'm a great house guest. They left for work this morning. I made my bed in the guest room. I made their bed. Then I cleaned their entire kitchen and did all the dishes. And I just want to say, you know, this all comes back to just being nice and being thoughtful and having manners. Being a good house guest is something I hold in very high regard. And I would even argue that I might not do this to my sister, but I would argue that like a thank you note after you stay somewhere like with a friend or whatever or, you know, is always valuable. Just a, I'm like fucking Countess Luann over here being like, darling, this is how you behave on a plane and how you be a good house guest. But I truly just like can't get over how many people in this world just like exist without fucking manners. It's like truly, truly hideous. Speaking of a lack of manners, let's get into Jersey. I do want to say I've been diving into season two of Real Housewives of New Jersey because Sexy Unique podcast with Laura Marie Shane Halls and co-host Carrie O'Donnell have been covering season two of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And it has been such a fucking lovely waltz down memory lane. I had not watched that season since it aired. So I had forgotten so much, but that season gave us so much. It gave us Kim D, Kim G. It gave us Ashley pulling Danielle's extensions out of her hair and Danielle being like, get away from me. I have a bold spot in the back of my head. Like it, it gave us the Manzos casually, you know, uh, supporting the local law enforcement clearly having mob ties. I mean, it gave us everything. And I just want to say too, that last year, me and my friend Joey Rudman recapped the table flip episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey, the season one finale. And it was my Sistine Chapel. It was a true work of art. And then I had to go and fucking interview Albie Manzo for this podcast. And I got so guilty and so afraid that the Manzo family would find that episode and hate me that I took it down. And I've since lost it in my own archives on my computer. And I'm hoping at some point, I'm going to talk to Dylan, shout out to Dylan, my producer, 
that we can somehow procure this episode that I took down like a little bitch and get it back up because in the spirit of New Jersey, I mean, they just give us so much every season and I love them and I missed that episode and I'm sorry that I took it down and I'll never do that again. Regrets. Um, anyway, I miss Ashley a lot. I wish she was still on the show and I do miss the Manzos. Full disclosure, um, I have two seasons of Manzo with Children in my iTunes library because um, I like to watch it when I'm hungover. And I don't know why I would pay money for those episodes as opposed to just rewatching old seasons of Jersey. But I've learned my lesson in rewatching season two. Also, go listen to Sex Unique Podcast because what they're doing over there is hilarious and amazing. Um, the other, I've really been in this like Italian headspace rewatching season two. The other day, Jake was like, making a little salad and he was putting like sliced salami and tomatoes and mozzarella in it. And I was just watching him do it. He's getting ready for work. And I was like, a mozzarella pepperoni. I was like, you ate in the mozzi and the prosciutto. And um, I always felt like I should have been Italian, but I wasn't. I was Jewish, which culturally is pretty similar. So I was super excited to get into this new season of Jersey. So without further ado, let's get into it. I don't know why it was necessary for me to tell you that I was screaming out a fake shitty Italian accent at my boyfriend the other day, but like my own obnoxiousness really amuses me sometimes, and I hope it amuses you too. Holy shit, I've been recording for 13 minutes. Let's get into it. So we open this episode with scenes from last, or no, scenes from last reunion, Andy asking Teresa if she'd go with Joe to Italy if he was deported, and she's like, no, probably not. And everyone's talking about... um, and then it like cuts to sort of currently where everyone's talking about how Teresa's out and about with another guy. We see the Ju- the Judice daughters crying. We see Danielle enabling Teresa to get wasted all the time. And I'm everyone's judge dutying Teresa. Like, you know, she's out. She's getting drunk. She's out with this young guy. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't see a problem with any of this. I mean, let the woman get fucked by a hot young guy and let the woman drink if she wants to drink. I don't think that there's a problem. But everyone's like, oh, my God, Trent. And then um, Margaret, Margaret Josephs is sobbing and she's telling Teresa that she's the worst fucking mother saying that Teresa went from namaste to nasty. And then it's like three months earlier. And I fucking love when Real Housewives does this. I love when it's like, everything's hitting the fan. And then it goes back and it's like, but how did we get here? So three months earlier, we open on Jackie, whose name I thought was Stephanie. I don't know why. And her kid like chugging chocolate milk or something. And then Jennifer is getting put in like, it almost looks like Kardashian skims, which is supposed to make the lipo smooth. So Jennifer's gotten liposuction. Dolores is with her hot ass son, Frankie, at the gym. And then Margaret's asking her housekeeper, Marlene, to make them some coffee. Um, so Margaret's hanging out and she's talking about how six months ago, Marge Sr. took a different bookkeeping job in the city. And now she's basically turning up every night with the youths, which like if I am Marge Sr.'s age and I'm just partying with fun young people in the city, like... That will be a great journey for me, and I love it for her. And then they're talking about the rumors with Teresa and the young dude, and Marge basically thinks that what happens with Teresa is none of her business. And I'm like, that's a very mature headspace to be in, but not for reality TV. Um, which we all know, like, while Margaret says that, she mentions what Teresa's doing like 70 times this season. So I love, I love her being like, it's not my business, but then totally inserting herself into it and making it her business. That's the reality TV stars we need and the reality TV stars that I like to see. Then we cut to Dolores, and she's teaching the dogs to sit. She's like, Frankie, wants to see what I taught the dogs? And she's like, sit, sit, sit. And he's like, doesn't look like it's working out well, Mom. And Dolores talks to Frankie about how she, how... Or I'm sorry, she talks about how Frankie's been modeling. 
and it shows all these like modeling photos of him. And Frankie is truly like a stunning man. I would never go for someone who looks like Frankie. Um, He's just way too chiseled for me. But like the photos that they were showing truly looked like the cover of romance novels. And I was like, I want Frankie to be the Fabio of our times. I want him on every trashy romance novel in every, you know, airport bookstore section of all time. I think he has the perfect look for a romance novel. And I hope that happens for him with his modeling career. Um, And then... Dolores is like, I'm all talk. I haven't moved out of Frank's place yet. So she still lives with Frank Catania. And then her boyfriend, David Principe, shows up. Um, And I just, you know, I'm all for the fact that, like, they can make this work. But this whole situation is so fucking weird. Like, if I were Dolores and I was, like, happily divorced from my husband and we were still friends but still living together. And then I was David Principe coming to the house to say hi. Like, the whole dynamic is a little weird. But they seem pretty okay with it. Um... But she's like, David's a permanent fixture in our family now. And they've gone on trips together with Frankie. And Dolores and Frank Catania are helping build David a house. So fully keeping it in the family. But if they can do that in a civilized way, good for fucking them. Um, And then Frank Catania goes, I'm sorry, the theme of this episode was food. And I love food. I just love how you would never get this much food talk in fucking Beverly Hills because no one ever eats. It's always just like rosé and talking about like what glass where the rosé is in. But in Jersey, it's always just like, let's eat. Let's talk about food. Like this is a franchise I want to party with. Um, so Frank Catania is like, food finally here. You got, he- you got here. Food's got here. My night is made. And I mean, yeah, eating a pizza with Dolores and her boyfriend David sounds like a good time. So I get where Frank is coming from. Then we cut to Melissa's house, and the kids are all in the basement playing video games. And Gino's like, Joey, look. And Joey's like, you don't know what to do. You're dead. And then Antonia's like, where's mom, and when are we eating? And I just want to say that I'm really into the fact that Gino has a full mustache at, like, the age of nine. But they're just these, like, too cool for school Italian kids, like, playing video games. And Melissa comes back, and she has sushi, and she's like, oh, why isn't this done? Because, like, the kitchen's not fully done yet. And I also made a note that I think J-Lo really needs to play Melissa in a movie. I feel like J-Lo could execute Melissa really, really well. And then Joe mocks Melissa after she's like, I had a shitty day. And he's like, I wanted to go to work. I wanted to go to work. And I was just like, fuck off, Joe. Like, I've loved to see Melissa sort of like assume her own identity as a lady in the workplace. And I love to see her put Joe in his place. But I was just like, Joe, why do you care so much that Melissa works? It's annoying. And then the whole family's eating and the kids are just too cool for school. And Melissa's like, why do my children act like this to me? When you guys were like four and five, you were obsessed with me. And Melissa's struggling with turning 40. And it's mainly just because her kids are older and that like wigs her out. And then her and Joe catch up and he reveals that he's talked to Teresa about trying to keep Joe in the country. And they, they also touch on the cheating allegations. And Joe's like... Teresa said that they were just like friends that she's been telling them like her and this young dude are just friends. And I was like boring, but okay. And then Melissa's like choosing to believe her since Teresa's called to apologize to her and they're in a good place right now. So Melissa's being loyal. And we all know that in Italian families, it's all about the loyalty. That was like a Caroline Manzo impression. Um, also like, I'm so sad that Caroline Manzo didn't come to the show, but I guess they tried to demote her to friend of, and she said on Albie's podcast, like, I am not friend of, I built that show into what it was. And I mean, I get it. I don't like when they demote, you know, when they demoted Countess Luanne to friend of, it was, it was inconscionable, inconscionable. Um, so I, I appreciate where Caroline was coming from, but selfishly, I'm like, we need you back. Come back. Um, 
So then Melissa's like, I'm choosing to believe her. And Joe's like, you amaze me. And you just keep getting younger and younger. And he like looks at her like the way I look at a side of onion rings with ranch. Um, just He's just always trying to fuck. And Melissa's like, oh my God, Joe. Um, and then it cut to this amazingly cheesy holiday commercial for last Christmas with Melissa and Margaret. And they both looked amazing. Melissa was in this like sparkly dress. And she's like, I'm just really into getting into the Christmas spirit. And then Margaret's like, you know, I love the holidays too, um, in like a red suit. And then it ends with a portrait of Henry Golding, which I also love. So into that, also really want to see that movie. Give me a cheesy holiday movie like all day, every day, all night. So let me get back to the show. Let me get to Jennifer. I really don't like Jennifer. But in this episode, there were like some moments where I was like, okay, Jennifer, you make a point. All in all, though, I can't stand her. I can't stand her kids. I cannot stand her husband. Like, it's all just a big TBD for me. Um, I Also, while Teresa and Joe Judice are morally very questionable people, I'm obsessed with their kids. Well, I just think Gia's evolved to be, like, grown up to be a really amazing person, especially all things considered. But I'll get to that later. Right now we're at Jennifer's house, and her daughter's setting the table, and she's like, I'll help set up. I love helping. She was doing this like airy, like perfect child voice. And Jennifer's like, oh, you're such a cutie. Are you wearing makeup? And she's like, don't you think you're a little too young for makeup? And their daughter's like, mom, I'm six. And she's wearing this like sparkly makeup and this little like lacy light pink dress. She's trying to do this like perfect grown up precocious child thing, which I totally would have done at her age, especially if there were cameras in my house. So game recognized game in that regard. I've been saying that a lot lately, but I'm here for it. So then Bill comes home, and the kids are thrilled that their dad is actually around. And Bill just, like, makes my skin crawl. I find him to be just, like, really annoying. He's not, like, Shane-level terrible, but he's, like, pretty awful. Um, And she's like, he's a great husband. He's making more time for the kids. And he gave her liposuction. And she's like, I'm never going to be a supermodel, but I'm Bill's trophy wife. And it's very romantic. And I was like, well, Jen, we have different ideas of romance, but I guess I'm happy that you're happy. Like, the idea of being someone's trophy wife and being like, it's so romantic. They gave me liposuction. Like, if Jake sucked the fat out of my body, that would actually kill romance for me, but I guess it's working for them. Also, what in the ever-loving fuck was happening with her confession look? She looked like a Captain Hook, cockatoo like soap opera circa the 80s dynasty vomit like thing going on um I was deeply confused and deeply unsoothed um I'm all for a Luke I love when people turn out a Luke but when you take it too far sometimes I'm just like what's going on even Erica Jane sometimes I'm like what are we doing here reminded me of that episode of New York that I feel like I referred to a lot when Bethany's like what the fuck are you wearing what the fuck are you wearing what the fuck are you wearing what the fuck am I wearing that's what I was thinking about um, and then Jennifer's brother, Steven shows up and her daughter again is like, mom, have I ever told you that this food is divine? I'm kind of obsessed with her. Um, I would, I really would love to get, I talked about this with, who the fuck did I talk about this with? Oh, Ryan Bailey. Cause I recently guested on so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey and he's one of my dear friends and he's an amazing podcaster. So go check out his podcast. So bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey. But we were talking about, um, Nikolai and like the the daughters and the children on Bravo and I would just love to see like a Lord of the Flies type situation where you drop like Jennifer's kids Teresa's kids Nikolai um whoever whatever other housewives children um you know 
Bethany's daughter, Bryn, but with a bag over her head because we're not allowed to know what she looks like. Like all those kids just on an island and just see what happens. I think that would be incredible reality TV. Someone should pitch it. What could go wrong just leaving a bunch of kids on an island? It would be amazing. I think Nikolai would definitely be like the Jack. Like he would be the kid who like was like truly sinister on the island and like tried to run shit. Um, And then I think the like good kid in Lord of the Flies would be represented by like Gia. Like I feel like Gia would step up and then Melania would get like influenced and go to the dark side with Nikolai. I should write like Lord of the Flies fanfic with house children and Bravo children, housewives children and Bravo children. That would be really good. I am so all over the place right now. I hope this isn't like painful to listen to. But like, don't you think Lord of the Flies with Bravo children would be amusing? Who would die first? That's too sinister. But you know what I mean. Um, Meanwhile, oh, and then Jennifer's talking about this party she's having. And her daughter, my queen, is like, mom, can you bring kids? And she's like, no. And she's like, that is not fair, baby. And like swerves her finger around. And I'm like, what? Give this kid a Disney show, if nothing else. Then meanwhile, at Teresa's, the family's making dinner with Nono, and Gia got into Rutgers, and she, like, it's so sweet. She, like, purposely is staying close to home so that, like, if Joe makes it home, she can see him and make up for lost time, which I thought was really, like, heartbreaking and sweet. Um, And Gia wants to be a lawyer, and Melania's like, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer for a while. You copied me. And then Joe's deportation obviously comes up, and Gia's explaining the case, And Gia has a talking head this year. She has her own confessional. And she's also fucking gorgeous. I'm just like so here for Gia. Love and light. I want her to be so happy and successful in life. Um, But she's like, she admits that Joe fucked up. She's like the fact that he didn't like actually get a, you know, citizenship that should have been done a long time ago. And she's like, this is the time for him to show them that he loves them and cares about them and like make this shit work. And so then she's in the kitchen talking to her and she's like, I'm going to prom. I'm going to graduation. I'm going to college. And those are three big things I want my father here for. And Melania is like, no one cares. And Gia is so much more mature than me. I would have fucking popped off and pulled Melania's hair. But Gia's like, Melania, I don't know why you have to act irrational because if you were graduating, moving on to a new chapter of your life, Melania, I don't want to hear you. And she's like, I know we're all hurting, but I'm saying it's a big year for me and I would want my father there. Stay so calm, so diplomatic. She will be an amazing lawyer someday. And Melania's like, I'm done here. Goodbye. And I'm like, you have been a a petulant brat since you were five and it makes for great reality TV. But I was like, the fact that Gia didn't like punch her in the face after being spoken to that way about something so sensitive and such a transitional time that of course you want your dad there with you. I was just like, Gia, what fucking meditation retreat did you go on to get that zen because I need to go on it too and then she's like Gia's like fully weeping because no no Teresa's dad is like I do for your father and your grandpa it's a terrible accent that was like Russian I do for your father and your grandpa I my jersey impressions need a lot of work um but I'm doing my best I have the whole season to improve he does have that scratchy voice he's like I'm you no no I'm your grandpa um and then Gia's like, you always make me cry. No, no. So she's crying. And he's like, I cry on the inside. And this whole scene was just like, oh, just ripped my heart out and shoved it up my ass. It was just so sad. Then we cut to Bill's office and Jennifer comes by and she's like, oh my God, I love that pen. And it's a pen with Bill's dumb face on it. And Jennifer talks about how her sister Tina is a widow, which really freaked me out because Tina seems very, very young. But she's now working for Bill. 
And they talk about doing a treatment that's the equivalent to 25,000 sit-ups. It just, like, gives you abs. You just, like, put a thing on your belly and it gives you abs. And I'm like, I need it. I want it. The, who gives a fuck about the price? I'll open another credit card. I'll max it out immediately. I need this treatment. And I fucking hate when fitness people are like, abs are made in the kitchen, not the gym. I'm like, abs are made in being really bored and suffering. Um, and, you know, I'm constantly on a fluctuation journey. But whatever this treatment is, I'm very, very interested. Um, and then Jennifer's like, I don't hate exercise. I just don't prefer exercise. And I'm constantly struggling with like, I love exercise when I'm doing it, but getting myself to do it is like pulling fucking teeth. So I was like, Jennifer, I see you in this moment. We see each other. And then she reveals that Jackie is pissed at her and canceled plans recently. So in this next scene, we get into the nitty gritty of what the conflict is between Jennifer and Jackie. Um, so Jackie, then we cut to Jackie meeting Melissa and Margaret for dinner. And Margaret's like, Today I called you. You were at the kids' play. And they were in Hansel and Gretel. And Melissa's like, see, your kids are, like, young. Mine are, like, old. Like, my my kids are humping pillows. And I'm like, cool. Of course Gino's humping pillows. He has a mustache at the age of nine. Um, and then Margaret brings up Jennifer's party. And then it cuts back to Jennifer talking to Bill. And she's like, she can't take a joke. Teresa was videotaping. And you know how I like to do impersonations. And she shows Bill a video. And basically Teresa told Jennifer to do an impression of Jackie. So then it cuts back to dinner with Jackie and Margaret and Melissa and they're watching the video and Jennifer's like doing an impression of Jackie at the reunion last year being like, define stalker, define stalker, Merriam Webster. So Jackie just basically thinks that Jennifer is like a fake bitch because Jennifer had been super nice to Jackie recently and then Jennifer is seen in this video making fun of Jackie. Um, I mean, I do impressions not for a living because I don't get paid um, – to do them. But I do impressions, you know, a lot on this podcast. Also, I'm sorry, I do get paid to do them because shout out to my Patreon, patrons, patrons on Patreon. Um, Patreon.com slash brown eyed unicorn if you guys want bonus content. But shout out to you guys who do pay me to do my impressions. So I very much appreciate all of you. But I'm just saying I'm not paying rent by doing impressions yet. So I respect a good impression, but I think Jennifer's was objectively just like bad and I don't think Jennifer's funny. And if it's a funny impression and an accurate impression, I think people often actually find that flattering. I think it's all about context though. And the fact that, you know, Teresa doesn't like Jackie and Jennifer knows that and Jackie wasn't there to like defend herself or to be like, haha, and like be in on the joke. I did think it was like overtly bitchy. Um, so then Jackie texted Jennifer saying cyberbullying is no okay at any age. And then Bill's like, mm, but Jackie wrote an article about you last year, which I was like, that's, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But I was like, fair argument. I mean, for Jackie to be super sensitive when last year she insisted that Jennifer was too sensitive. I was like, he makes a point, you know, he's a he's a doctor. He's a smart cookie. He makes a point in this moment. Um. Again, I don't like Bill. I'm just saying I think you have to be smart to be a doctor and to be allowed to suck fat out of people's bodies, out of your wife's body. Um, and then Jackie talks about how Teresa has it out for her. And you cut to Teresa at the reunion being like, cold-hearted bitch! You're a cold-hearted bitch! And Margaret and Jackie bring up the young guy that Teresa has been maybe fucking, who is, quote, just her friend, um, who apparently wears a backpack. And they make fun of the fact that he wears a backpack because a backpack immediately makes someone look like a child. But Melissa stands up for Teresa 
And she's like, I can't engage in gossip. It's not the situation. I, ju- I just can't. That's not the situation. It's not what she said. So Melissa, you know, in that moment showed her loyalty and I, in what I thought was a very diplomatic sort of way um, by not engaging in the shit talk about Teresa, just being like, she says it's something different. Everyone calm down. Um, and then Jennifer responds to Jackie's texts by being like, it was supposed to be lighthearted and funny. I didn't think you'd take it personal, but I'm fine with whatever. And I was like, if I got a text from someone being like, hey, you did an impression of me that like really fucking hurt my feelings. I definitely wouldn't like close it out with like, I'm fine with whatever. Because being like, it was supposed to be funny and I didn't think you'd take it personal. First of all, it's I didn't think you'd take it personally. Um, but like to basically, that basically just puts everything on Jackie. It's the equivalent of being like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. It's like, it's not my fault that I feel this way. Your actions made me feel this way. So like Jennifer, take some fucking responsibility and just be like, I thought I was kidding around, but I totally could see how that would hurt you, and I'm so sorry. Meanwhile, back at Trees, um, Teresa is building a pool for the girls um, because she's basically like, you know, the kids are really upset, and they're, like, sad about their dad, so, you know, I'm going to build them a pool because she has, like, extra money from something, and I'm like, I personally wouldn't, like, think that, like, putting a pool in the backyard when you live in fucking Jersey and you can only use it, like, a few months out of the year is the way to, like you know, soothe my children, I'd probably put them all in therapy and then send them to like a really fun overnight camp. But that's just me. Um, so she's building a pool. And Doris is she calls and she's like, Oh, hi, I'm in the neighborhood. I'm coming by. And they're talking to Tom, who's like kind of hot. He's the pool contractor. And he and Teresa used to date. How fun. And then Teresa talks to Dolores about Joe's case. And Dolores says in her confessional, you know, like, I don't think Teresa is so crazy in love with Joe right now. I'm being honest. This is driven by Gia's request. So basically, Teresa's playing nice with Joe because Gia is like very gung-ho about him getting out and them being a family, which I understand. And then Dolores is like, so I spoke to Margaret. It was Melissa, Jackie, and Margaret, and the stuff came up about the rumors that's going on about you. So Jackie's spreading rumors. That's how Teresa responds. So Teresa's immediately super defensive and is like, fucking Jackie's spreading rumors about me. And then it cuts to Margaret being like, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, then it's a duck. And then it cuts back to Teresa being like, thank you for relaying the message. That's what friends are for. Um, And Dolores kind of nods knowingly like, fuck yeah, bitch, I got your back. Um, I don't know. I guess like I want to know when people are talking shit about me if it's someone I think is my friend who's like really not my friend. But other than that, like ignorance is fucking bliss. And I get for the sake of a reality show, they need to like do all this talking shit and relaying messages back and forth to like create drama. But like IRL, anytime someone's been like, so this person, my junior high bully, Evelyn, once pulled me into a locker room and told me that everyone talked about how fat I had gotten. And she was only telling me that because she was my friend. I'm sure I've mentioned that before because it was like deeply traumatic, but she's like, everyone's saying you got fat and I'm only telling you this because I'm your friend. And it like traumatized me, obviously, to know that people were talking about me gaining weight as a kid and it didn't do me any favors. So like, generally I think a good like rule of thumb is like if it's just something shitty that someone said to you about your friend first of all be like hey I'm not the person you want to be talking shit to because that's my friend stand up for your friend always but also like don't tell them if it's just going to make them feel like shit that's like so not productive in my opinion um but enough about me so then it's saying that it's one day before Joe is to be transported to ice and we are cutting to Jennifer's event and the outfits at this event were rough and granted like no shade to anyone from Jersey. I love Jersey. 
But like, I don't think of Jersey as like the fashion capital of the world. You know, in previous seasons when people were shopping at Posh with Kim D, um, I wasn't a huge fan of those outfits either. So I don't know why I was surprised, but this scene was, it was a lot of like bodycon like dresses that were like bejeweled, but it looked like the shitty like top you get at Discovery in college that was like five cents that just like it's not that flattering but it's cute enough and you can't really afford to get nice going out clothes so you're like I'll just wear this to the bar like it all just looked very cheap and I'm sure none of it was cheap but everyone looked cheap um and then we see Jennifer's father John and Jennifer's like hi daddy hi daddy hi daddy and I'm just like really not into when like a grown-ass woman calls her dad daddy I think it's a little bit weird um especially now you know we're in the age of women calling their man daddy. Like, I feel like Lala Kent calls Randall daddy. Um, Sometimes I, as a joke, will call Jake daddy. Like, if he picks up the tab for dinner, I'll be like, daddy, daddy. So, like, calling your real dad daddy as a woman, it's just weird to me. But, of course, Jennifer does that because Jennifer and I have very, very little in common. So, let me get to Margaret's. And I just want to say that I think Margaret's husband, Joe, is very sexy. I'm into his, like, bushy mustache. I'm into, like, how obsessed he is with Margaret and how he stands her no matter what. I am into a man who is loyal as fuck and stands by his woman. Honestly, I know that Lisa Vanderpump and Ken Todd have, like, a truly sinister backstory in a lot of ways that I don't think we know about. But... The way he just blindly like protects her and agrees with her and follows her around is fucking goals. And I see that with Joe and Margaret and I just think they're the cutest couple. And I think Joe is very hot. You know, I was recently thinking about the really hideous photo that David Bedore posted naked in the forest. And for an entire day, I had no idea who was in that photo. I was like, why is everyone reposting this vile photo of David Bedore? And then two judgy girls posted it. Shout out to them, Courtney and Mary. Um, but... I was like, holy fuck, that's David Bedore. I didn't even realize. And I was messaging with them about it. And I was like, okay, but honestly, if Mario Singer had posted the same photo, like, I don't think it would have had the same reaction of vomit coming out of my nose. And now that I'm talking about it, I think if Joe and Margaret posted a photo of them, like, making out naked in a forest, I would be fully on board because I love them both. Okay, where were we? So then Jackie shows up outside to pick up Margaret for Jennifer's event. And Margaret's in this like lacy green getup that looks like like 50s lingerie, like a 50s teddy. And I was like fully here for it. I was like, this green moment is amazing. And she sort of had this like vintagey beehive. Um, and they're in the car and Margaret's like, so what are we going to do? We're going to walk in. I mean, we're not going to storm the place like gangsters. And Jackie's like, so obviously I want to say hi to Jennifer and then I'm going to wait for her to come to me. And until then, I'm just going to eat her food and drink her alcohol and listen to her music. And honestly, I'm fully here for this approach. Like petty, yes. But like you're on the call sheet, Jackie. You have to be at this party anyway. And I would say absolutely cash in on the free food and the free alcohol so that when she does approach you, you're a little bit fucked up and you're full on a belly of food. Because when I'm angry, the unbridled rage that I get when I'm I'm sorry, I spoke wrong. When I'm hungry, the unbridled rage that I feel solely from being hungry is like, I shouldn't be around people when I'm hungry. So like if, if someone that I was in conflict with were to approach me, I would want to be a little bit buzzed so I wasn't afraid. But I would also want to have a full belly of food so that I wasn't irrationally angry and I could come from a place of like, I know this isn't hangriness talking, this is like my actual real feelings. Does that make sense? So then... um. Teresa oh wait I'm sorry Jennifer cut to the event and Jennifer orders a lemon martini and the bartender makes this face that's like literally what the fuck 
Similar, similarly to the way the flight attendant looked at the horrible woman who sat next to me on the plane, the liar and the frantic woman, it was like that face expression of like, why are you this way? And then she's like, it's fine. I'll just get tequila. I hate when people order like a drink that's like really out of nowhere at like a bar at an event. It's like you see the ingredients they have. You see like wine, you see beer, you see some liquor. But I'm like, like just make me a lemon drop. Like you're tacky and I hate you. Um, and then Melissa talks to Jennifer about Jackie and Jennifer's like, I do think she needs to not take things so personally. And then Dolores rolls up and Melissa goes, look at you with your boobies. I'm going to go get food. Again, this theme of food comes back with Frank and the pizza. And then Melissa being like, I'm going to get food. Look at you with your boobies. I was like, Melissa is me in this moment because I love observing good boobies and then excusing myself to get food. I was like, Melissa, I see you. You see me. We see each other. And then Teresa plans to approach Jackie and Margaret about the shit talking. And Jennifer's like, Jack, I'm, I'm glad you decided to come. And Jackie's like, well, you know, it's an event for Bill. I see. And Jackie's basically just like, if you're not going to apologize, just shut the fuck up. Which I get that. When you're like, you know you did something shitty to me and to be all fake and be like, I'm so glad you came to this event, Jack. You're going to use a nickname. You're going to be familiar and call her Jack, not Jackie, when you know that you fucked up. It's just like fake and annoying. So I see where Jackie's coming from there. And then Dolores observes that Teresa's voice specifically is, Dolores knows from years of friendship that when Teresa's voice sounds this certain way, she's just waiting until no one is around to attack Jackie. As Tom Girardi once said on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills about Lisa Vanderpump, in this moment, Teresa is like an alligator, hiding under the water, waiting to strike. You're a sniper from the side. I've used that Tom Girardi quote so many times, but I think a lot of women in the Real Housewives franchises are like an alligator, under the water. And I loved how lit he was about that analogy. And he was like low-key trolling LVP in that moment, which I love a low-key troll. Anyway, I digress. Again, I'm so sorry. So Jennifer is unclear as to why Jackie would come when she's mad at her. And I'm like, because you're on a reality show, that's why. And then, but also I was like, I understand. Um, and then Teresa and Margaret are chatting and Teresa's like, yeah, I've been really emotional. And then Danielle is brought up and she's like, you know, it's like you and Danielle. It's like me and Jackie. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I love when Teresa's voice gets really high. She's like, hi, we're family. Like it gets really high when she's trying to overcompensate, kind of as Dolores was saying. And so, yeah, Teresa's like, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's like you and Danielle, like me and Jackie. So it's her smooth little segue into talking about Jackie. And then she's like, Margaret's sort of talking back. And Teresa's like, yeah, you see how you're taking her side? She threw the first punch. And Margaret's like, you know what? Let's not get into it tonight. And Teresa's like, I would love that. So... Margaret's kind of like, mm, I'm not going to fully side with you on this, Teresa. And Teresa needs people to fully be on her side. Otherwise, she sees no loyalty. Like, she cannot be challenged in any way without flipping out and being like, it's your fault. You started it. So they have this diplomatic moment of like, let's not talk about it tonight. They're like, okay. Then Jennifer approaches Jackie. And Jackie takes a very long amount of time to swallow her food. And Jennifer's like, it was funny. It was lighthearted. And I was just saying, as someone who does impressions, I get the feeling, but Jennifer's rebuttal was that a lot of people were sitting there who didn't like her. So I talked about that earlier. Um, and then, meanwhile, Margaret's indulging in cheesecake, and I hate when people don't eat food at parties. So I was like, Margaret, everyone in Jersey, you're my people eating the food at the party. And Jennifer keeps cutting off Jackie. 
And she's like, um, you told me yourself when you wrote the article. And she's like pointing her finger in Jackie's face. And Jackie's like, don't point that finger. And then Jennifer's like, you. And then Jackie's like, don't point that finger. And she's like, you need to pull the stick out of your ass. And then Jackie's like, you need to stop with that finger. And then Jennifer's like, because you wouldn't stop with your condescending smirk. Okay, so I said that there were a couple moments throughout this episode where I agreed with Jennifer, and this was a big one. Nothing unleashes the fires of hell within my being as much as a condescending smirk. Like, when you're clearly upset and someone starts, like, laughing or they're just like, hmm, like, looks at you, like, smiles at you like they feel bad for you. Like, it is truly infuriating. So the fact that this is what made Jennifer snap is valid, but also someone's fingers in my fucking face space is also incredibly condescending. So it's kind of funny that Jennifer thinks that it's incredibly inappropriate for Jackie to condescendingly smirk at her. While meanwhile, for the last 10 minutes, she's been waving her fucking finger right in her face. I'm like, you're both the, the, the manners are lacking in this whole situation. Um, so Jennifer's following Jackie around and Jackie's like, I don't want to talk to you. And, Je- and Jennifer's like, I want to talk to you. And then Margaret like does a wellness check on Jackie and Jackie responds by being like, I need cheese. This franchise is amazing. I need cheese. That is my solution to a lot of problems. I need cheese. Then Melissa tells Teresa that she felt like it was bullying. And then Teresa does a classic Teresa Judice flip by being like, if anything, I should say she's bullying me because Dolores said that Jackie was like spreading rumors about me and I would never let anyone talk shit about you. And a lot of people respect you because you're my sister-in-law. And then Melissa's like, is that the only reason I get respected? And then it cuts to Melissa being like, if that doesn't explain Teresa's personality in a nutshell. Teresa's like, I want you to shut it down when people talk shit about me. Which annoyed me because I'm like, she did already. Like, Melissa knows that she did. So meanwhile, Jennifer and Jackie are arguing about Jennifer that owning that what she did was rude. And Jackie's like, God, I'm mixing up their names. Jennifer's like, I'm a comedian. And then it cuts to Margaret being like, Note to yourself, your mean girl needs to apologize. You're not a comedian. Land the fucking plane. And then Jackie thinks that Teresa is like controlling Jennifer like a puppet. And Teresa is lit on the fact that Melissa didn't fully stand up for her. So then Teresa walks up to Jackie, Dolores, and Margaret. Dolores is also loved this. Dolores was like, I've been trying to stay away from the carbs. Not working out that well. And then Teresa's like, hi, so I heard you've been spreading rumors about me. And then Jackie's like, no, somebody asked me a question about you. We need to celebrate that Dolores has been ha- trying to stay away from carbs and that it's not going that well. These, are, these women are my people. I love them. Um, and then Teresa's basically like, just keep my name out of your mouth. And then Jackie's like, can I ask you the same? Jackie's like over it at this point. She's like tired. And then Teresa's like, really? And then Jackie's like, uh, that video. And then... Teresa defends herself by being like, I never threw the first punch. And I was just like, just own that it was fucking rude to post a video of someone making fun of Jackie. And they're basically just like, okay, we agree. We won't talk about each other. It's going to be fine. And I was like, okay, you guys are politely agreeing not to talk to each other. And I made a note, dot, 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 like that's going to happen. And then mere moments later, Melissa's like, this is going to last like 30 seconds. So thank God, because I love reality TV when it's messy and people are fighting. So then Jackie leaves without saying goodbye and Jennifer is like unbothered by it. And then it cuts to Thursday at 12.01 a.m. It's a bunch of news stations being like, Joe Judice is stuck in ICE custody indefinitely while he awaits his deportation ruling. And then the phone rings and it's like, this is a call from Joe. And so Teresa picks up the phone. She's talking to Joe on the phone. 
And he's like, I'm wasting my life away on this crap. I could go friggin' nuts. And that's the end of the episode, but then it shows us scenes from the rest of the season. The gals go on a trip to Bayhead. Teresa pops a bottle. Melissa straddles Tree in a sequined body stocking. Melissa and Joe Gorga want another baby. Jennifer's troll children are screaming. Gia goes to prom with Frankie, which is the romantic union that we all need and we all deserve. Jennifer insults Margaret's leopard print and is like, Fred Flintstone called and he wants his outfit back. Melissa almost assaults Jennifer and Melissa's like, don't you ever. Um, Danielle is like, Margaret's the reason we went through a divorce. You homewrecker. And then Margaret's like, don't go digging for gold. Fix yourself. Then Jackie's dad is like, you're an inspiration. You were really overweight. And then Jackie's like, I almost died, dad. And he's like, worth it. So fucked up. And then Teresa's like, didn't you ever watch The Godfather? And Margaret's like, we're not the fucking mafia. And then Margaret pours champagne on someone's head, which is my biggest fear to get a drink thrown on me or poured over me. Like, if I took the time to beautify myself and you belittle it by dumping water all over my head, I mean, truly, there is no greater insult in this world. But Margaret does it. Margaret pours champagne on someone's head. Also, that would hurt. It would, like, get in your eye and your makeup would run. Um, and then it ends with Danielle being like, fucking bitch, or something like that. And somebody like, oh, my God, in a shrill voice. And then that's the end of the episode. That's all she wrote. Um, so that was the first episode. I went on a lot of tangents. I hope you're all still here with me. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens in the rest of the season. I feel like the first episode is always a little bit boring because it's exposition. It's setting up the conflict for the rest of the season. But these women are scrappy. They're messy. They bring it. And I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you all so much for the new reviews, too, um, and the ratings. I really, really appreciate them. If you haven't already, please head on over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. It really, really helps. Um, and if you don't follow me already, feel free to follow me um, on Instagram and Twitter at Hannah A. Brown. And head to brownedunicorn.com for some writing, podcast episodes, videos, additional content. If you just can't get enough of me. Um, I know my impressions aren't that good on this franchise yet, but trust that I will work on them. And last but not least, head to patreon.com slash brown For just $5 a month, you get access to bonus content. And my next project is going to be recapping season two of Real Housewives of New York. So head on over there. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.